Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, good evening. Welcome to the live broadcast, Facebook broadcast for Oikos Ministries. Uh, if you're following along with us, or uh, we're glad to have you back. If not, you could uh, catch back up on everything we're teaching on. Uh, you could go and visit our website at www.housechurchesusa.com. Just click on those audios or you, you can, it's audios, I guess. It's better than looking at me. So you could just listen to them on your podcast. There's all kind of ways. Uh, just click on something there. We got plenty of teachings. We're on the fifth or actually the fifth, uh, part of a, a, a teaching on prayer, warfare praying. And we started this, uh, lesson from second Thessalonians chapter two, just a, a little bit of a, a different approach. And basically that different approach is based on where we are at this present time. And in Thessalonians 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it tells us that he who restrains the lawless one or the Antichrist uh, will restrain and he'll be taken until he's taken out of the way. I believe that it's our duty as Christians to restrain the advancement of an Antichrist spirit. And uh, we, no matter where you are on the spectrum of eschatology, even if you believe there are many antichrists, not a singular, I can assure you we need to uh, hinder every work of antichrist. And the way we do that is in prayer. So uh, from that point, from that stepping stone, knowing the plan of what antichrist wants to do, sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, exalting himself above everything that is called God or worship till he is a God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is, uh, we want to stop that. We want to, we want to stop that work. And so, uh, last week we were on the idea of, well, let me, before I jump on last week, we, we took the, especially the phrase gathering together. Uh, but you know, that's what Thessalonians about our gathering together unto him. And so we don't, we're not until we're gathered together under him, we're to gather together. Jesus said, and where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And whatever we ask in prayer, it shall be done. A great promise is attached to that gathering together. That's why I love the house church so much, because it's totally a doable thing to build a, a prayer agreement between two and three, four people where we could really get a spirit of prayer, say an agreement and see God do great things. And so we need to put prayer back in the forefront. I'm going to build on that in just a little bit here. Last week we were dealing with Ephesians chapter six, and uh, I'm going to uh, just catch a little bit of that from uh, verse 11 and 12. I'll just uh, read that to you. Well, it says in verse 10, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, to, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So those four aspects of our wrestlings. Uh, and remember, to wrestle is to face an opponent. We are facing an opponent in what I believe is a creation, <clears throat> the invisible creation. This is what Colossians tells us 
about principalities, powers, mights, and dominion. These are created by God and for God. And so certainly you say, well, if they're for God, then there should be no wickedness in them. Well, wait, wait a minute. God uses all this wickedness for to accomplish his purpose. And I can tell you many times God allows wickedness in for judgment. And I believe we're right there in that right now that we're in judgment. Now, do we have to accept that? Well, certainly when God begins to pour out his, his, his judgments and discipline and correct and chastise through judgment to tribulation, uh, I mean, it's part of what happens, but we can see the hand of God turned and stayed. We can see those judgments. Per, uh, we could create, we could cry out for appeals. This is not unbiblical. We don't have to just accept things as they are. It's time to pray and see things change. We're the people of God and God will hear our prayer. I believe that we get our lives right with God. God will listen to us and do what we ask him to do. He don't want it does him no good. He does not delight in the death of the sinner. He does not. It says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He would all the he made provision for every soul to be saved. God is not willing that any peri- would perish, but all would come to repentance. We need to pray that way. And so as we look at these uh, principalities, these uh, arch, arche, first in principle power uh, against powers, which are just literally uh, strength and power against against uh, rulers of the darkness of this world, which we saw that last week. We talked about the God of this world, cosmocrators, really demonic entities that rule from, I believe, in the, geographically in the second heaven past where we can see in this first, what we would call the atmosphere of the universe, as far as the Hubble could look, the, the devil's out there and he's literally the God of the air, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. And he walks in darkness and he literally wages his war from a dark arena. And so we look at also against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when we see the rulers and we see people manifesting, our, our fight is not against those people. It's against the principalities, powers, mights, and dominion that drive them. Now, there are some very demonized people who probably won't repent and may never repent. But that's not the fact. That's not what we need to do. We need to pray that God would turn these things, turn their hearts, turn them to, to the benefits of the people of God, and especially for the salvation of the souls of people. Now, it goes on to say, and I'm not going to belabor Ephesians 6, but I'm, I want to move through it quickly. Verse 13, starting tonight. Wherefore, take up the whole armor of God, the panoplia, the whole armor of God, that you may be able. There's a word for able. You know, Caleb told Joshua, he said, we are well, Caleb told Moses, we are well able to take the land. The ability is a, a, a power, dunamai. It's a, again, a word of dynamite, explosive power. We are able to look at this, to withstand. This is a resistance against the work of Antichrist. We withstand against this. It's resist, refrain, restrain, hold them back. We withstand. We are able to withstand again. Look in in that evil day. Look at there. And I'm going to get back to the evil day because we're going to do a little work on the Lord's prayer tonight. But the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And so here we see that whole armor of God, the panoplia, 
And so we have the breastplate of righteousness and, and literally basically being a right way with God. If we're, there are people who are not in the right way with God. There are church folks who are not in the right way with God and need to get their life right. Do not start praying from an unrighteous position. If you've got active sin in your life, you need to repent. You need to deal with that. Come clean with that and repent. Get your life right before the Lord so he'll hear your prayer. God does not listen to sinners. So it's a terrible thing that most of us are banking on a sinner's prayer when God hears not the sinner. He wants you to repent. If the people of God who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. It's time to turn from the wicked way. And there are church folk. There's a difference between, you know, we, we pointed out the children of disobedience, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. There are disobedient people. That means you know what to do. You just won't do it. These are, you know, we say, we're all God's children. No, we're not. If you're a child of disobedience, you're not God's child. I promise you, you're, a, you're pushing your own self out of the family of God. And if the spirit that works in the children of disobedience is demonic, we need to understand that. That makes a distinction between the, the ungodly and the sinner. There are people who don't know God and there are people who are sinners. There are people who don't know God. There are people who know God and keep sinning anyway. This is children of disobedience. And I'm telling you, the Bible says they'll be judged. And not in a good way, not just spanked. They're going to be judged into eternal damnation. Read it. This is a fact. Let's keep going with this. It says these are the, the breastplate of righteousness. And uh, then we have the, uh, excuse me, the loins girt about with truth. You know, uh, the Hebrew mind and the ancient Hebrew thinking was the loin was where the generative power because it's where we reproduce from. This was the, the secret to power. Well, the loins girt about with truth. Our regenerative power in the gospel is truth, folks. And if we have the truth in our inward parts and we are reproducing with truth, I couldn't care less about fads and popularity and, and filling up buildings. If your folks don't love the truth, they don't love Jesus. He said, I am the truth. The truth is a person. It's not just a set of, of principles. He's a person. And, and if we don't love truth, we don't love Christ himself. And again, the Holy Ghost is the Holy Spirit of truth. So we need the spirit of truth. He says, your loins guard about your truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me say this. That means that everywhere we go, we're carrying the gospel of peace. We're walking and moving the gospel of peace. Let me tell you something, saints. We need to begin to speak the gospel everywhere we go. Hear me. This is part of the armor of God. If we're not carrying the gospel, we're actually scattering. We're literally contributing to the scattering of people. If we're not carrying the gospel of peace, let me tell you something. If you're the drama maker in your place, if everywhere you go, you create drama, turmoil, problem. Let me tell you something. If you're not a maker of peace, it's because peace ain't in you. And there's some folks who really need to hear what I'm saying tonight. There are people who thrive on drama. You're not happy until somebody is unhappy. Until you've stirred up the crowd or stirred up the people. You've upset everything going. I want to tell you right now that we need people who make peace. And it's because you have peace, you can make peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And those who are Christian are governed by the Prince of Peace. And the power of that peace is contagious. Stay with me. The gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
You understand that when we start in warfare prayer, ever since I've started this teaching, actually, and we've uh, upped the ante in prayer, uh, we've been attacked more and more. Uh, I can I just sense the warfare and the and the and the heat going up. And so the fact is, above all, we take the shield of faith and a shield. The old style shield was literally I think it's theros. Uh, thero, I, I don't remember the Greek word right now, but it, 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 it was for the word door. It was that big. It was huge. And it literally would cover everything. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. It's the logic. It's the, the reasonable logic of the Word of God that I believe the Word of God above everything. No matter what the devil's throwing at me, I believe God. The Word of God is going to settle it. When we have that, above all, taking the shield of faith, because let me tell you something, we're dealing with the master of deception, and unless we know the truth and have the shield of faith and hold that, with, we, you'll just get attacked. There'll be so many darts that you'll just get deflated in no time. They're fiery darts. They will literally will be a burning issue to you. And you can think about how people get set on fire with little silly issues. A tongue is a little matter, but it a little member, but it 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 has a flame of fire, and it, it, it see how large a fire it creates. Keep reading. Most devils, all they have to do is whisper, and that's it. We'll have folks fighting in no time. The helmet of salvation. Let me tell you something. When you have the helmet of salvation, you got to know beyond all shadow of a doubt that you're right with God. You know that you know that you know that you're right with God. You're not if and you're not in the doubt game. You're not dealing with, you're way past all that stuff. You know who you are in God. You know that this is a settled issue. Man, you need to get this right. Settled. Don't engage this wicked one without settling this. I ain't coming at you with everything they got. Keep going. And the sword of the spirit. Yes, sir. So the sword of the spirit. Let me tell you something. The sword is nothing in the hand of man, but the sword of the spirit. When the sword is in the hand of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, it's the offensive weapon and it's time to go on offense. And folks, it's time to wield the, the sword of the spirit. When you and I walk in the Holy Ghost and full of the fire of God, and when we begin to answer folk and begin to initiate and literally start the conversation wherever we go and let make them react to the word of God. Quit reacting to people and whatever word people are saying. Make them react to the word of God. Let me tell you what. There's a whole host of devils trying to make Christians repent of sound thinking. They're trying to call evil good and tell you that you're not tolerant unless you think that way. Don't give them room, not even for a minute. Stay with me. Here's what I wanted to get to. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, look, look, here's the word. Here's what I praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now, prayer right here is the word for worship. Prayer is the same word for worship. Our prayer and supplication, supplication, desis, is the word for need, request, uh, petition, uh, when we start looking at the twofold aspect of it, prayer and supplication, <clears throat> especially at, at, and look, I'm very intrigued right now. I'm not going to go into it tonight, but I'm very intrigued with the prayers of the book of Revelation, because as we pray as on earth, as it is in heaven, when I want to look at the future, I look at what's going on around the throne of God. We need to see what's going on around the throne of God. This should be 
our prayer that we join in the anthems of the host. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. When we begin to ascribe greatness to our God, when we begin to worship, adore the songs of adoration, and these are prayer, folks. When we begin to engage with God and thank Him and bless Him, Lord God, You are the God who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that are in them. And we begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And we begin to exalt God and lift Him up and magnify, make Him great. Great is our God and enlarge him in our thinking. The people of God get bold. Amen. We serve a great God, but we've reduced him down because we're afraid to talk and we're even scared to pray. Glory be to God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. I've heard prayers that are not in the spirit. And what I'm encouraging in warfare and prayer and spiritual warfare is that we pray a spirit of prayer. It's different from just praying. The Apostle Paul said, I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my understanding. In the book of Jude, it says that we need to build up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. It's time to put away all the controversy. Folks, If you don't speak in tongues, you need to learn to or get the Holy Ghost and get full of it and get a language from heaven. You need to let your prayers groan from the heart and just begin to pray. I don't care if anything intelligent comes out of your mouth as long as you've connected with God. The spirit of prayer where one person can take a word, the word of the moment, the word of the hour, the Holy Ghost quickens that word and all come into agreement and a concert of prayer begins to rise up before God. And listen, when it does, there's a a prayers in the spirit. Don't talk to me. Cessation is about the, the gifts ain't for today. I'm not even interested in entertaining that foolishness anymore. It's just pure stupidity. It's not even it's not even the book. It's not even the word of God. The word of God says it's there. Quit saying it ain't there for today. It's just a lie from the devil. Get the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. It's the smart bombs of God. You say, well, nobody interpreted. Let me tell you what my Bible says. When I'm praying in an unknown tongue, I'm not speaking to men but to God. Read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3. When I pray in an unknown tongue, I'm not talking. Now, if I prophesy in an unknown tongue, I got to interpret. I'm with you there. But praying in tongues is the smart bombs of God. It's literally the laser lights of God. It's literally where we take these things and hold them in and the spirit maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. He knows the heart and mind of God and will drive it right home to the very point. And and we can't get in our our head and, and mess it up. Men will mess stuff up. Glory be to God. There's some folks that only need to speak in tongues at all times. For real. Okay. Now look, when we get to this issue of praying always without a supplication, if you, if you study this and go looking at it, they pray that they were making prayer and supplication. They seem to go together that it balanced out. It just moved that there's a, there was an attitude of worship. Don't have to be any music there. It does not have to be. I, I Look, folks, if we could take prayer and move it back to the forefront and quit making prayer an interlude, an intro and an outro, quit doing that. Make prayer the whole worship service. You say, well, that, nobody would stay. We don't want them. They need to go home. Well, we need all the people. For what? 
to entertain them. I ain't tap dancing for nobody. I'm way too old for all that. I might pass all. I don't care if you're happy or not. Well, I might get bored. The children might get bored. The children want to have fun. Well, take them to a light show. That's fine. Go ahead. Help yourself. I just want to get them full of the Holy Ghost and fire. I couldn't care less about entertaining nobody, nowhere. I got an audience of one. Him I want to entertain. Stay with it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare. All right. We're talking about the whole armor of God. Now we're briefly going to hit this. I want to, I want to make a couple of points here. For though we walk in the flesh, I'm in verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and having in a readiness to avenge. Uh, excuse me, in my right place. Oh, oh uh, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What a powerful passage. Though we walk in the flesh, and that's not walking in sin, walk in the flesh means we walk in a physical body, we do not war in a physical way. Look, man, it ain't time to go run out there and buy your AR-15. It ain't time to load up on ammunition. What it is, is time to learn how to pray. You say, well, that's just a cop-out. No, it's not a cop-out. All right? The bottom line is, there was never a greater man or a bolder man than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There was never a greater man that walked the face of this planet. And he never raised up a, a gun or, an, or, or a sword. He never did any of that. Show me more power. And the day you show me that, then I'll join your militia. This guy got up from the dead. When you top that, I'll listen to you. Other than that, let's, go, let's, let's just understand. Our prayer is to reach, our warfare is to reach the heart of God and see God move. If you can't do that, just think about it. If you can't reach God, what's wrong with you? If all you can reach for is a gun, what's wrong with you? Now, folks, let me say something. Let me just make a disclaimer here. The Bible says, and we'll get to it in a minute. If the good man of the house uh, knew what time and hour the thief came, uh, he, would, uh, he would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Let me just explain something to you. Thief coming to my house, I'm going to shoot him dead. You understand that? There's no ifs, ands, or buts. If I can get to my gun first, he's gone. And hopefully I can get a stick and just beat him up so I don't use gun violence. But I don't care. He's not going to suffer my house. I'm just not going to. That's not martyrdom to die from the hands of an idiot. Some fool breaking into my house. So I'm not afraid of in that aspect. As a matter of fact, I ain't going in all. But let me just say, it's not cowardice to say what I'm saying here. Jesus said, if my kingdom of this were of this world, then my servants would fight. When Jesus says, let's fight, let's get it on, boys. Let's do it. But he ain't never said that. What he did teach us is how the weapons of our warfare are to be employed. And if we do this in a proper way, we can we can turn the battle. I wish somebody would put all that fight in the right direction. Look what it says here now. It says, 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, stronghold is a fortified place. America was won through stronghold warfare. Basically, the, the army would come in and drive the hostiles out. They'd build a fortress and drive the hostiles out. Then the settlers would come. Then the army would move forward, drive out the hostiles, and the settlers would come in. America was literally taken that way through fortress warfare. The pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a fortified place. Now, when I deal with individuals and people who deal with a stronghold in their own life, and maybe it warrants a little bit of that, there's, there's three basic ways to get a stronghold in an individual's life. Number one, past experiences. Your past experiences could have shaped you in such a way to make a little foxhole for a devil to come torment you. All right, a stronghold. Number two, a stronghold could come from wrong belief systems. And let me explain this to you. You got false doctrine like once saved, always saved. You could build a stronghold where you could just, you can't break the doc, the power of sin because you don't believe you're going to ever go to hell for it. And you live a life of unrepentant sin because somebody said once saved, always saved. You could go to hell for it. That's a wrong belief system. And that's just one extreme. But there's a whole lots more of them. I could go into a, a lot of wrong belief systems that build a stronghold. As a matter of fact, there are more religious demons than any other type. There's four types of demons. You have physical, mental, moral, and religious. Physical, mental, moral, religious. Physical, mental, moral, religious. Four types of demons. There's more religious demons than any other kind, including the spirit of Antichrist, which is a religion. Okay? And so when we deal with this issue, there's so many people who have fortified places in their thinking that allow demons to torment them, and they can't get the victory in any way, shape, or form because you got a you got a little demonic entity in a, in a fortified place in your being and just wreaking havoc on your life. Jesus said he came about, uh, the apostle Peter preached, he said, Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Come on, man. We need to break these oppressive things and tear down these strongholds. Come on. Tearing down of stronghold, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is what Second Thessalonians says, that the wicked one wants to sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God and coming in against all of this called God or that is worship. Y'all, we need to cast that down. We need to violently throw that down in prayer that there is none like unto God. God is the most high God and he will not share his glory with another. We didn't, we need to really get the glory of God and the truth of God right back in the place where they belong. Exalted high and lifted up, man. Come on. This is the beginning of casting down imaginations. Now I tell you right now, the, the, the proud can't boast in that atmosphere. I don't care how great you think you are. When we begin to magnify the Lord, you're a worm. Hmm? Worm. A slimy bag of dirt. That's what a worm is. You say, well, you don't think much of people. No, I know what people are about. No, I don't think much of people. Do I love them? Yes. But until they're repentant, they're wicked monsters of iniquity. And a thousand eternities in damnation burning in the hottest fires you can think of is still not good enough. 
of how we def how we've rebelled against our creator. Ooh. We walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. You see, we have an opponent that we need to take captive and bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. This happens on an individual scale. And when we win the victory and couple with others who've won the victory, we can then reach out and see others win the victory. This is warfare, fortress warfare. Turn with me to the book of Luke, 11th chapter. I was telling some folks earlier, I started a series of messages on this years ago. I was on staff at another church and, uh, I preached so many messages on this and it was literally a fascinating time, a real powerful move of God in the, in the thing. Such a warfare prayer. I got fired, but uh, hallelujah. Anyway, another service story for another time. He said the preacher got fired. Hey, look, the preacher, if you've never been fired, come on, man, I got fired as a construction worker. If you can't get fired as a preacher, you must, you know, you must tell lies. <laughs> We love our preacher. He's so funny. <laughs> like I said, he tells lies. Chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying, this is Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, listen to me. The disciples said, Lord, we got we don't know how to pray like you're doing. What? what? Lord, I need to learn how to pray like you teach us to pray. Who taught you to pray? I want you to think this through. If you learn prayer in your normal church, here's what you learn. Lord, we welcome you to this church service. Come into our midst. Amen. Now let them sing or sing. When they sing or sing, that was so wonderful. Lord, receive this offering at our hand. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a good offering today. Uh, Lord, bless the word as I preach the word. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a good word. Lord, bless these people at the altar. Amen. amen. And that's it. Uh, Lord, it was such a nice day. Uh, bless everybody. That was it. You learned to pray. Five interludes. That ain't praying. I'm not. I'm telling you, that's not the spirit of prayer. And that's not even what I'm talking about. If that's how you learn to pray. Basically, all you got now is praying hands on Facebook. Is it a mockery? I, I'm, I am mocking it. It's not what's going to get the job done. This is not warfare prayer. I'm trying to show us all what we have to do in this hour to pray. Stay with it. Look what he said. Here's what he said. When you pray, say, our father, which art in heaven. Look here. Hallowed be thy name. When we begin to hallow the name of God, that's what I've been saying. That God's name becomes holy on our lips. Remember, in the old covenant, when Solomon dedicated the temple, go look at this second Kings chapter eight, I think. I believe there's 13 references that said when he dedicated the temple that you put your name here. We are the temple of God and our name is in his name is in us. When we name the name of Jesus Christ and say he's our savior <coughs> and our Lord. We hallow that name. Excuse me one second. There's no greater name. There's no salvation in any other name. There's no deliverance. 
The power is in his name. <clears throat> and when we have taken his name and flippantly used that and applied it to everything and, and, and just it, it's even a sigh word or a, or a, or a, 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 an infant's word, even a curse word. Hallowed be thy name. And we begin to exalt him as Jehovah Jireh, as Jehovah Rapha, as Jehovah Nisi. As we begin to exalt the name of God and we lift up that name and our name. It, it begins to take shape in our own hearts and minds that, wait a minute, God is different than us. He's bigger than us. He's better than us. He's greater than us. He's holy. There's none like him. Carefully watch this. Thy kingdom come. I'm going to show you this in a few minutes, but <coughs> for right now, just let me say, praying for the kingdom to come is the same as saying, Lord, send your Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. He associated the idea that the kingdom come and the Holy Spirit were the same thing. And the power associated with that was that he would cast out devils by the spirit of God then the kingdom of God has come to you. So when we're praying for the kingdom to come, we're really asking, Holy Spirit, come. Give us more of the Holy Ghost. We'll get back to that. Stay with it. Thy, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Remember Matthew's prayer was, or Jesus' promise in Matthew, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whether you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. As in heaven, so on earth. When we understand the activity around the throne of God, that's why we need to be very familiar with the book of Revelation and what's happening around the throne of God. Anytime you can see insights to the throne of God, Isaiah 6 and other places where people were taken and saw the throne. We see the activity around God. We pray according to that. God, as it is in heaven. What, how is it in heaven? Every principality and power of heaven, the four creatures, <clears throat> the, full of the eyes that are the, 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 the seeing eyes of God that search the whole earth and creation. The elder, the four and twenty elders, they, they all worship, they adore. El, the host of heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's a worship going on around God in heaven as in heaven, so on earth. <clears throat> Lord, cause the people of God to begin to worship you. Cause us to become worshipers of God. Help us to not burn out in a, in a few minutes. Help us to not doze off and go to sleep. Show us how to worship. We're going to be creatures that worship for eternity. As in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. There we get to the desis, the need, the petition. God, give us our daily bread, not... Man, we can't live by bread alone. God, give me the fresh bread of your word and, and also sustenance for our bodies. But forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us as we. God, forgive us just like we forgive everybody else. Lord, you forgave us of everything. Help us to forgive everybody. Teach our hearts to be that which just literally forgive everybody of anything. <clears throat> we don't want to have any offense living in us at all. Clean my heart from offense, God. Teach me to forgive from the heart. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
The prayer of deliverance from evil. I heard that Pope Francis was trying to strike this out of the Lord's prayer. God does not lead into temptation. He's a lying devil. Let me say it again. Pope Francis is a lying Marxist communist devil. Now, let me let me clarify in case I made an error there. He's a demonized, demonized devil. I don't understand why anybody be Roman Catholic. I cannot understand it for anything in me. Why would you do such a thing against God? And so deliver us from evil. Remember, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. Now, he's talking specifically, the clearer it becomes on the coming of the Lord, that the day of the Lord, it will be an evil day. The, the evilness is going to rise up. We're in an evil day right now. And if we don't understand the deliverance from evil, if we don't get this in our understanding, well, let me help you as we go through this passage. Remember, I taught on this for months. I could go for, I can go for a long time. But this is so powerful. Look, in verses 5 through uh, 13, it's called the prayer of importunity. This is really, it's a really weird word, antiquated. Most people never says importunity. Nobody hardly ever, I don't think I've ever heard anybody use that in a sentence in my life other than reading the Bible. And so when we, when we think of this prayer, the, the analogy is a man has, a, has guests come in at midnight. And he has nothing to feed the guests. So he goes to his neighbor's house and he knocks on the door. Now, who wants to hear that at night? Hey! What do you want? I got friends that came over and I don't have any food for them. Dude, it's midnight. Go to bed. Hey! I got friends that came over. They need food. Wake up! I ain't going to stop. Wake up! Hey! I know you're in there and you got bread. Woo! Who prays like that? Hmm? You know, God's watching 8 billion people on the planet and he's kind of taking care of heaven. You know what? I'm just a little worm down here. You know what? I'm going to try to do my best to get his attention. Hey! I need something! Who prays like that? Lord, dear Lord, hear our request today. And I know that sometimes your answer is no. Why don't you just not pray? Just still do something else. Because that's a dumb prayer. That ain't, why even bother saying something so faithless and so unbelieving? So dead. Wake your own self up if you're going to pray. If it's not even worth asking the Father for, why would you petition for it? Look, he said, even because of importunity, listen to what importunity means. Y'all love, I love this word. I had to write it down because it's so, it says shamelessly, troublesomely, urgent, overly persistent request or demand. Hey! 
Get up! I need something. See, who would talk to God like that? A person who has need. Blind Bartimaeus. Hey! Jesus! Y'all, sh shut up. You're messing up the meeting. No! Jesus! Have mercy on me, son of David! Shut up, man. Shut up! He's busy with other... Jesus! Who got healed that day? Bartimaeus. That's importunity. That's stupid praying, man. That's like, man, I'll bother you so bad, you wish you'd never see me. I'm going to get what I'm asking. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Well, then don't get your prayer answered. Somebody need to learn how to boldly, boldly, shamelessly, recklessly, stupidly get up there and just pray. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Which of you having a son comes to you and said, hey, I need some bread and you give him a stone. Which of you having a son says, hey, uh, I want some fish and you give him some serpents. Which of you having a child says, hey, give me a, what was the other one? I forgot what it was. And you give him scorpions. Eggs, and you give him scorpions. Hey, give me some eggs. <laughs> How about some scorpions? They're way better than eggs. Who does that? We serve a good God. Our Father in heaven will give us better than our fathers on earth will if we'll go ask for him and shamelessly make petition. He said, and listen to this. Here's the key. How much more of the Holy Ghost will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He'll give you the Holy. The Holy Ghost is the answer to prayer, folks. Come on, man. Now, right after this, boy, this gets so good to me. He was casting out a devil. And it was mute. And when the devil came out, he spoke. Some of them said he cast out devils through Beelzebub. <laughs> then they started tempting him to show him a sign from heaven. Look at verse 17. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided itself against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falls. <clears throat> If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. Now, here we get to our discussion about warfare praying. I believe one of the biggest things we need to do is pray a division in the kingdom of Satan. Since we've engaged this, one of my favorite things, one of the greatest principalities and powers to, is such easy, low hanging fruit is the Democrat Party of the United States of America. They are an anti-God party. They, they, I'm not making this. Up. And listen, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I got every right to say what I'm going to say. I equally bash them both. Okay. And so the point is simple as this. 
that when you look at the Democrat Party in 2016, when Hillary Clinton ran for president, they literally took God out of the platform. It became an anti-God platform. They don't want any mention of God. This is the people who have a voracious appetite to kill babies through abortion. They want every kind of wicked thing. Everything that is an abomination to God, they want that exalted in America. So we need to pray division. Since that time, yes, Lord, I'm watching Democrats turn. I'm praying for a circular firing squad in the Democrat Party where they just shoot each other. I was reading this morning and Saul's army came out and, and, and Jonathan took the hill up there and took a battle. And, and I, I, I forgot how many people, 50, 20 or 50 people he killed in about a half acre space. And they won that battle. And look at all the Philistines went crazy. One little battle, one little victory. And all the Philistines went crazy and they started fighting each other. I'm like, this is how bizarre. We're in the, hey, wasn't he the dude in the next tent over? No. Hey, that's what we need. Division in the satanic army. Because let me tell you something. There's been the divisions in the churches for years. And Satan loves this. He's been scattering the power of the holy people. I want to see a scattering of the unholy. Man, start praying that way with boldness. Hey! Mess his house up, Lord. Break up the devil's house. Break all their unity up. They've agreed in, oh, they've agreed in, in, in with death. So let them have death. Give it to them. Give them what they're asking for. They're in a covenant with death, with hell, they're in agreement. Let them have it. Well, we can't pray that way. Why not? You're talking about praying about people who will reach a tool up into a woman's womb and tear a baby to shreds. All bets are off when I start praying against them. I don't care what happens to them. Repent or perish. I couldn't care less which one you want. We're in a war, folks. We have to be nice. I ain't heard nice is not in the King James Version of the Bible. Not one time. Go look it up. See, we've respect, we've 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 we think nice is the only Christian virtue. What nice is is cowardice most times. We have no conviction. Now, everybody who knows me knows I'm the nicest guy on the planet. Joking. I'm not that nice. Folks, I'm just not tolerant. I'm just not. I'm not going to tolerate something God doesn't. I didn't make this up. He did. Look at verse 20. Everybody in agreement? We can pray. God, divide the devil's house mess them up. Oh, look, boy, you can take this on. Lord, divide the globalist agendas. Cause their money to come apart. Cause the spirit of mammon to fight its own self until they all go broke. Turn them on each other until their fortunes dry up and their children's children are poor. I like it. I want to see them begging for bread. I want to see them on their knees groveling because they've been, they've just been oppressors of the poor. Turn the battle, Lord. Turn it. Verse 20, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Look, look, no, excuse me. No doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew's version said, if I with the uh, spirit of God cast out devils and the kingdom has come. 
You know, the only time I know about the finger of God, God wrote in the Ten Commandments, right into the wall of Sinai, right into the rock-hard slates of Sinai, thou shalt have no God before me. I love to speak the commandments of God to demons. It's just fun. Uh, you know, demons, I like to touch people who are demonized with the Bible. It's really fun as well. It's fun. You say, well, that's, that seems mighty weird. Yeah. It brings up all kind of adverse reaction. Try it sometimes. It's really fun. Last time I did, I got spit on. So you just be prepared for anything that happens. Folks, listen to me carefully. We're in a war. And they hate your guts. They hate God. They hate Jesus Christ. Why do the heathen rage? Why do the people imagine a vain thing? Why have they risen up against the Lord and against His Christ to do whatsoever your determinate counsel has foreordained? Why did Herod and Pilate join together against Christ? Huh? Why did they do such a thing? Why are the heathen raging? They still are. Verse 21, I think it'll get interesting to you. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all the armor wherein he trusted and divides his spoils. Now, before you preconceive who the strong man is, what we need to understand, he's talking about a strong man, then he's talking about a stronger man. Okay, let's, we are talking about two opposing strong men. Okay? Or arguing over one place of residency. We're the temple of God, folks. Strong men, the strong man I'm talking about wants to get inside the people of God. Either way, the strong man of the wicked one and the strong man of God want to get inside of people. You understand that? Demons want to get inside of people. But so does the Holy Ghost. Now, here's where we're going to shoot some holes in some stuff right now. Let me tell you straight up right here. He that is not with me is against me. Look, but when a stronger than him is shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him all the armor wherein he trusted. What if you got the armor of God? Well, nobody could beat the armor of God. Yeah, you can. He said, take unto you the whole armor of God. What if you relax? What if you take it off? What if you begin to get laxed in your dress? What if you begin to say, oh, oh, oh the enemy ain't coming today. No worries. Hmm? Then a stronger than him will overcome you and take away the armor that you trusted. You said that's not possible. Yeah, it is. If you think it's not possible, then you believe the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. We're in a warfare. Let me tell you something. I believe we serve the great God who is greater than any other foe. That is it. Our great God has beat the devil fair and square. The devil is a defeated foe. Let me tell you that Jesus Christ whooped him fair and square 2,000 years ago on Calvary's hill. The devil killed him. He bruised Jesus's heel, but he rose up and crushed the devil's head and resurrection power. Death cannot hold him. Christ is risen and is the victor. And greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. But if I begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, 
quench the Holy Spirit, insult the Holy Spirit, even blaspheme the Spirit, I can lose my armor. We're in a war. Do you hear me? We're in a war. And people die in war. <coughs> You're vulnerable. This is reality, people. And if you say, oh, man, that's just silliness. Come on, man. That's way over the top. Well, really? Let me tell you what's over the top. When a demonized teacher dresses up like a freakazoid and comes tell your child that you, they don't know really, you don't really, you're too young to know what sex you are and begins to groom your child to be a transvestite, that's messed up. We need to pray them kind of folks whose body parts are starting to fall off. Let them receive in their bodies the reward of their error, which is due. You say, that's hard. Now, I'll tell you what's hard. It's when them devils put that defilement in your kid, that's hard. That's hard. They're playing for keeps, and we're over here playing like it ain't even a real game. We're already whipped. You don't know how to fight. God's got an army. huh? We're in the Lord's army. Good dear God, man. The most disorganized unorganized, undisciplined, unable to fight, no, don't know how to fight, don't care. Lord, teach us to pray. We don't even want how to pray. We just take it for granted. And we just have accepted coldness in prayer as the acceptable norm. He that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house where I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then he goes and takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And these enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Oh, wait. Somebody who was right with God was defeated when the devil came back to check on him? Yes, that's exactly what that's saying. So if your theology says that's not possible, what's, what's not possible is for you to, I, I don't understand how you can still breathe that you, you're that dumb. I don't know how you, how you have natural reflex. That's just wanting to pervert the scripture. It's just because you want to, because you just want to keep your sin because you won't want to repent. We're in a war, people, and the number one enemy is religion itself. And we better see what it is and start calling it out for what it is and fight. I can holler pretty good. And I think I'm committing right now to the next time I hear a preacher say a lie. I think I'm going to challenge him publicly. I don't care where it's at. I'm up for it. I don't think they are. I'm just sick of it. I'm just so tired of it. it we just take it as accepted norm. 
Well, he's in a better place today. When are we going to fight? When? If not now, when? If not us, who? Who is this stuff applied to? Lord, teach us to pray. Let me tell you what. I told this group right here that, that is so faithful to attend when we have these teachings. You know what the problem with teaching about prayer is? We hadn't prayed until we pray. And here we are, we get entertained with what I'm saying and our minds are entertained and say, oh, that's new information. Oh, that's good information. Oh, I, yeah, that's good. Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I don't know that. But we don't pray. Simple as that. And if we don't learn how to pray, if we can't watch and pray, if we can't keep guard and pray, if we can't stay alert and pray, if we can't keep our oil filled, our lamps filled, extra oil and pray, how are we going to be resurrected from the dead? Do you think this is some osmosis? Because you prayed a sinner's prayer? How dumb! It's a lie! And it's been perpetrated all over the earth. You hear me carefully. When we engage the wicked one, he's going to fight back. Start engaging in prayer. Get your life right. And just remember, keep this in your spirit. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is the Holy Ghost than the devil. There's no match. There's, I mean, it's, it's a no contest. It's a no brainer. I got so much I could go into on this. And here it is late. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And he said, our father in heaven, see, Settling the issue that God is your father to me, the identity crisis and really getting it settled as how we pray. And we've learned a false humility in prayer. And let me tell you, I believe in humbling ourselves, draw near to God and God will draw near to us. But it also says, let us come boldly to that throne. Now, trying to settle the issue and bridge the gap in our thinking between humble boldness. Is there a way to be humbly bold? I believe there is. And the humility is because I'm praying the will of God. This is God's prayer. This is what God wants. Why would he refuse us? I can tell you this much. He's waiting for somebody who will pray the prayer of faith and believe him. Not back up. It's what every revival that ever happened on this planet since 2,000 years ago, that's what every revival was made of. Someone started praying and would not back up. And I'm encouraging everybody under the sound of my voice right now to start the same thing. I believe that the emphasis in house church has to shift from we need to find a good teacher in the prayer. No, we need to find somebody who got the spirit of prayer in them. We need to build prayer agreements and I'm going to work harder toward that direction than anything else. Look, I'm a, I am a teacher of doctrine. I believe in sound doctrine. I believe in the Word of God. And I'll never stop doing that. But let me tell you something. My emphasis is shifting rapidly to where the need of the hour. I can't talk nobody and teach nobody into anything. But what we can do is pray everything. 
And God, let God do it. We'll plant, we'll water, but God gives increase. Amen. You need to rewind this broadcast and listen to it one more time. You need to let this get down in your spirit. Because there's a there's a multitude out there of people who've grown up in church who ain't got a clue what praying really means. Well, that's it for this evening. God bless you. Glad you joined us. I see a whole host of folks that are watching. God bless you out there. Uh, thank you for joining us. Share this with your friends. Remember www.housechurchesusa.com and you can find all these teachings, all this series. Follow along, get it in your spirit and start prayer groups in every house going. Let them be little houses on fire with the power of God. God bless you. Have a great week. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.